Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week, joining me in the Homebrew Pub is fellow brewtuber... Dan from My Adventures in Homebrewing. How you doing? Good, man. You? I'm doing good. I gotta say, love love the show. Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. It's good to know that actually people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this thing where you can check out your podcast stats. Sometimes it's very depressing, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I tend not to do that because sometimes it's like, oh, wow, this is great. And then there's other times I'm like... This is just so sad because <laughs> it's like you can you can tell which topics go over really well, yeah. And then there's the topics that kind of just sink. <laughs> and I, I, in the beginning, I had my fair share of things that sank, yeah. Um, but it's when you actually start getting into things that you actually know quite a bit about that people actually take. Oh, wait a minute, maybe he actually knows what he's talking about, which is rare for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I know this is this is why I invite people into the homebrew pub so they can talk to me about things they know about, and I don't have to try and display awesome. too much knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all good with that, brother. <laughs> So, um, why don't you tell um, everyone who is listening um, about my adventures in homebrewing? <laughs> okay, so uh, thanks for having me on, Andrew. My name is Dan. Um, I am a I'm a Canuck, so I'm a Canadian out here in Ottawa, Ontario. So God save the uh, Queen. God save yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, all good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, yeah, so I've been brewing. Uh, I started homebrewing basically back in 2002 and my wife and I were expecting uh, our, our son and by the time he came around and was crawling and getting his fingers into things and my dog was putting his head into the pail and I was just like, yeah, maybe it's not a good idea to be doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of stalled. Uh, then 21 years later in the military, I retired and I got a part-time job working in a brewery that's like five minutes from my house, which is fantastic. Nice. Which sparked up um, that that love of wanting to make beer again. And, and that's what kind of sparked up me um, getting into doing the actual podcast is because it's like, here I am. I'm learning all kinds of cool things through my boss and through other people and through I think I broke my piggy bank on all the books I bought. So, I mean, I have like this huge beer library now. My wife goes, uh, are you obsessed? I'm like, oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. I, I have both editions and, of Jeff Alworth's beer Bible. Like, that's that's my library. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've got the, the uh, Oxford uh, uh, Dictionary Bible by Garrett Oliver. Ooh. That was also uh, co-authored or edited by Horst Dornbush. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horst is a really cool dude. I've had him on the show a couple times. Really cool guy. I'm still trying to get Garrett Oliver if I can pull that one off, but I'm trying. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so the wide range of books, and then it kind of ramped up and around. Well, I'm learning some things like about barrel aging, I'm learning about hops and things like that. And I'm like, well, these are usually things that I don't necessarily think everyone really knows. So why not share what I know? And that's how everything just kind of snowballed from there. I went from being only like a, like a half hour show to an hour show to, well, whatever works for the topic I'm working on right now, <laughs> kind of kind of show. Yeah. And 
And then it's like, okay, I, I'm trying to get people on the show, and I'm like, well, I'm trying to get some good topics. So between researching and getting things ready and then trying to hunt people down, now it's like, okay, when I actually have a acceptable content, then I'll put, the, put out the show, which yeah. I think this week it, the show is actually going to be about uh, the move to my new house and converting the heated two-car garage into my own little brewing space. <laughs> how, how, how does your wife feel about that? Because my wife would not give up the garage for love nor money. Uh, my wife has like, if you're happy and out of my hair, I am fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she's, well, she's also to the point where she's like, you know what? Um, you're passionate about this and you're, you've been sharing your knowledge with a lot of people who come to the house. Mm -hmm. So why not? And she's, she's pretty much like during the winter here, out here in Ottawa, it gets pretty freaking cold. And I'm usually out in the garage, like bundled up, like in the neck of the North, <laughs> uh, trying to make beer. And, uh, just, it, it's, I mean, it's doable. It's fun. I yeah. did it for like the last couple of years, but I'm tired of doing it. So a heated garage will be quite nice, actually. Very nice. I my my wife laughs at me because I'm in Colorado and it doesn't get Canada cold but it gets cold here and I brew all year round. It's like, mm -hmm. aren't you cold? I'm like, I've got a canopy. It's fine. I'm wearing gloves. Yeah. I'm standing next to then my propane burner. It's all good. And she just thinks I'm insane for doing it. But it's like, you don't get it. <laughs> Tell her to come to Canada when it's like minus thirty. <laughs> um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a hard sell for me. So uh, <laughs> she likes she likes the warm. We don't even ski. So. Oh no! I know in God's country for skiing. I know, but we're You're also in God's country for hops, beer, beer festivals. Oh, uh, it's you know we are. I remember when uh, I was moving to, to Colorado, and I remember I wasn't like a big, big, big fan. Um, I moved here in 08, so just as the craft movement is really, really exploding. Um, but I remember being on the plane thinking to myself, great, I am consigning myself to a life of, and I'll just generally refer to it as big beer. And, you know, I, I enjoy my fair share of cores, like local boys done good and all that, but. Um, I was so spoiled when after we got married and I got a job and I could afford like good beer and New Belgium was like skyrocketing mm -hmm. and Odell's and so it really was like this crash course of I had never had beer like this um, in the UK in the UK it was a lot of uh, European lagers which are great in their own way and obviously proper British pints which are my favorite um, but yeah. yeah, it was such a education moving to Colorado. And I remember being, um, going home or going back to visit my parents and my cousin was like, so can you get a real pint in, uh, in the U S I was like, Nick, sit down, shut up. I've got a lecture for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> and this was before I homebrewed, like this was before my homebrew. Right. So I am even more insufferable now. So... <laughs> So, are you saying you're more beer geek than beer snob, or more beer snob than beer geek? I would say I went from beer snob to beer geek. That's the way to be. Yeah. I, I've gotten over my fear of big beers. I think there are some out there that are very good. Um, mm -hmm. And if that's what you like to drink, that's what you like to drink. Yeah. So, where I work right now at the brewery, I work at, I'm going to plug it straight up, Brewing Please Company. Please do. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we ha we've had some really good Imperial Stouts over the last uh, couple months. And my favorite has been the 10.5% uh, Imperial Stout that we, that we did with, uh, uh, was it Butter Nutter? No, Nutter Butter, Peanut Butter Cookies. Mm. Uh, pirate Oatmeal Cookies, or, that, or Oatmeal Peanut Butter Cookies, I should say. And Reese's Pieces Puff Cereal. So all that extra sugar <laughs> push the push that ABV up to ten point five percent, and it's such a subtle taste of peanut butter in there. It's yeah. so good, and it's like we can only serve it in a seven and a half ounce glass. Yeah, and it's like okay, it's one and done. <laughs> I, what I also love is like that's such a wonderful indictment of the cereal we eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. I admit it. I, I've got a sweet tooth, but to a point where it's like, um, do I need to buy the sugar cereal? No, I'll just drink the beer and I get the sugar cereal. It's okay. Go. It's fine. Um, yeah. When when you're putting in like those uh, all of the peanut butter and the cereals, though, like I obviously they're being added to the mash. Yep. Um, so because I know with and I'm just going to show extreme ignorance here. Um, I know like if you're making like a straight up peanut butter porter, you don't just get a jar of peanut butter and throw it in because that's going to be all oily no. and everything. So yeah, um, you don't have that same concern with things that are baked. No. So basically, when you're adding it into the mash, not only is uh, it, I'd say almost like 95% of that oil or grease already kind of baked out, shall you say? Yeah. It's already cooked out. Um, but the grain bed itself actually acts as a kind of like a, like a filter. Oh. So basically, um, as the water passes over that cereal and whatnot, not only does it become mush, but it gets adheres to the actual grain bed, so the likelihood of any oils or anything else getting past that grain bed, seeing as you're almost got like maybe what twelve to fifteen pounds of grain in a in a, in a five gallon batch, yeah. it, the, the likelihood of maybe point zero one five percent getting into the actual boil kettle is is rare. Okay, so I, I wouldn't really worry about it too much. Um, I did make a, a s'mores stout once, mm. and I used, not only did I use uh, actual graham crackers in the actual grain bed, but into the boil, I put uh, a jar of uh, marshmallow fluff and also about a half a brick of baker's chocolate. <laughs> so that was my mistake right there, was adding that baker's chocolate into the boil because I just saw that that fat content yeah. come to the top. So I had to get in there with, with like, say, like a, a paper towel or like some cheesecloth and trying to scoop all that grease <laughs> out before yeah. it even got to the fermenter because it was going to stall the yeast. Yeah. Because it is like the bad, bad juju. So, it's, you know, it is what it is. So I learned from that. And yeah. I mean, it, it carbonated, it turned out okay um my bosses thought it tasted more like kalua than s'mores so i'm <laughs> like feather in the hat i'll take it kalua is always good it's always it's all marketing at the end of the day exactly so from there i actually learned i learned that uh sometimes less is more and to err on the side of caution is usually better when you're trying something new yeah. Um, I mean, even as it is right now, I'm, I'm working on a, on a beer where I'm going to be adding, <laughs> you're going to shake your head at this. Uh, I'm making a pastry stout. Okay. But I'm doing it with maple bacon donuts. <laughs> That's more cliche than me making my Earl Grey tea beer. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. Come on. Let's hear all no. the Canadian comments with the bacon and the maple. No, beer. no, no, no. Bring it. I, I make I make a uh, a couple of Earl Grey beers. One is called a London Fog, which is literally Earl Grey and vanilla in an English mild. I cannot fault you for wanting to enjoy the food stuff of your homeland in a beer. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm always willing to try something new. I mean, the pastry stouts are something new for me to try and get into because uh, the that. One beer we were talking about, the peanut butter stout, mm -hmm. uh, it fell into the actual pastry stout realm. So not only am I going to make this beer, but I have two five-gallon whiskey cakes Ooh. that it's going to go into in age. Nice. For at least a month and a half. Then take it out, put it into, a, into the bright tank, and carbonate it. That'll be really nice. I had a friend who aged um, his holiday ale in a whiskey barrel, I want to say for about a month, maybe two, mm -hmm. and it came out with this gorgeous caramel. Like, it didn't yeah. have that um, whiskey-forward flavor, if it makes sense. Like, it was really subtle on the back end, which was yeah. so, so nice. 
Yeah, so that's one thing. I've, let's, the, uh, this is the one experiment I, I really want to do, and I want to make sure I do it right. So I've been holding off on it, I don't know for how long, because I'm constantly looking at that recipe. I'm like, okay, that doesn't quite make sense. Of that, I don't necessarily like that hop for this kind of character. So I'm constantly tinkering with this freaking recipe instead of just going ahead and making it because I'm, I'm nervous, which is yeah. unusual for me. But I want to, if I'm making this beer, I want to make sure I'm not wasting product yeah absolutely and i want to i want to do it right well and you know you don't want to put you know you want to be able to reuse those barrels as well so you want to make sure like whatever you're putting in there is going to play nicely with the next thing you put in because exactly um i think you made a comment i was listening to your barrel aged episode today and you made a comment about like it almost being like a photo um the yeah. more times you use it and uh, i totally agree with that so i absolutely yeah, I mean, I filled uh, one barrel up uh, this past holiday with an all-spice um, porter, and I've not wanted to put anything... Like, I can't use the barrel now, i let it dry, but, like, I couldn't think of a beer I'd want to put in there after the fact because I was just worried about all those spices coming back to haunt. Right, so. right, right. So, <clears throat> I guess I would say if you're worried about things with spices, usually ones that tend to... Um, work well with spice is that if you look at say maybe a like a high abv say between six and seven percent on a stout mm -hmm. tend tend to work well with spices yeah. or if you go more along the lines not quite an amber but just on the verge of being in between a pale and an amber mm. those beers even though they're a low alcohol content usually tend to absorb flavors and characteristics not only of the wood but the spices and it's not overpowering oh, so okay. it, it so it all depends on what you're actually using for your spices if it's clove anise um mm -hmm. and, and whatnot you're gonna be fine but it's when you start getting into things like say if you're using cayenne pepper uh scotch yeah. bonnets and, and spices and, and in that sense um yeah you're gonna roll the dice yeah like when you're basically when you're playing with heat I suppose yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so it's 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 not it's, you just gotta look at what you want to make really yeah no it's uh it's a 33 gallon barrel so it takes three of us to fill it um and none of us could agree so it, here's the story behind here's the story behind me having a 33 gallon barrel so uh my my broom buddy uh tyler there was a distillery here they were like hey we're selling 15 gallon barrel like five gallon 15 and 30 gallon barrels and cody and i we were like hey tyler go to the brewery and pick up a 15 gallon barrel perfect we'll fill it one batch each everyone's happy and he comes back with a 33 gallon barrel because cost per gallon it was cheaper and i was like but you just doubled our entire production cost yeah and now i've got 10 <laughs> gallons of a 10% barrel-aged stout that I don't quite know what to do with. So, <laughs> I mean, drink bottle it. Bottle it. Bottle it, no, yeah. Bot bottle it, and then let it sit for a year. Yeah. Because then it will mellow, and it'll be a so much nicer. Oh, it, it mellowed lovely. But what I did was I put five in a keg and five in bottles because I have a nitro system. And I was like, if I'm uh -huh. going to have a barrel-aged stout, it's going to go on nitro. Yeah, I just put a nitro tap on my kegerator. Yeah. So a buddy and I, uh, he helped me out here a lot. Um, I went through a company uh, here in Ontario called Ontario Beer Cakes. They're an online beer store, or homebrew store, I should say. Yeah. And they had this uh, shank that had um, the attachment where you could put two taps on it. Mm. So one shank two taps i'm like why not Brilliant. so now i have not only a regular tap but i have a nitro tap on the other one so and it's easy to swap out that tap in the tank for mm -hmm. if i wanted to put on two regular beers so it's just a matter of cleaning the lines yeah which is not not that hard to do so but you should do regardless so every two weeks every two weeks Hmm. Supposedly, every two weeks. In between every batch, he says. <laughs> right. Uh. <laughs> How about when I remember to 
do it. That's the more realistic one. There you go. <laughs> so I, I've got to ask, um, being someone who works in a brewery professionally and still homebrews, how mm-hmm. has working in a brewery informed how you homebrew? Well, I always say uh, the way I homebrew now, I call it the right way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I first started learning how to make beer, I was doing LME in in the can. And no matter how many times I would try and follow the directions and to the T, whatever else, and it was always turning out like something other than what it was supposed to taste like. Mm -hmm. So when I got back into it and working where I was at, I was like, okay, pay attention to what these guys are doing it so i looked at how fine the crush was i looked at well how are they caught how are they stopping it for getting clogged so oh rice hulls all right so my boss oh my, my boss who's one of the brewers uh puts rice hulls on the bottom but he also puts them in with the mill mm. and, and make sure and make sure it's evenly distributed that way i didn't think you were supposed to mill rice hulls he does it and it works oh okay so we do that, and then it's like, okay, well, then I pay attention to how hot does he have strike water? How fast does he drop it down for mash temp? And then things like that. Because in the beginning, I was just like, oh, 160 to 178? Okay, we'll aim for 173.5 yeah. for strike. And I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll just leave it there. What's the what's the big deal? Yeah, the big deal is is that it's too hot. It's going to bring out a whole bunch of different characteristics that you don't necessarily want. Yeah. So, I learned that over my first year of getting back into it, and then it was like, okay, well, what can I do to make my process easier? So I invested in a, a Robo Brew. Mm-hmm. I invested in two uh, for uh, Fernzillas. The, the from Keglin, and I went from there. Then I started learning. Well, I was like, okay, I'm in a time crunch. What can I do? I started learning about pressure fermentation, yeah. which you, you can't do at a at a pro brewery. So I mean, there's there's lots of things I learned from them, from sanitation to production to packaging to carbing to cold crashing to the benefits of using glycol for a temperature control unit. And things like that. So, with all that said, now uh, my home setup now consists of uh, two stainless steel fermenters, one being a 14 gallon, one being a 7 gallon from Spike, uh, a 10 gallon bright tank. Uh, I have a four vessel glycol chiller from Brewbuilt. Then I have a brand new Brewzilla from uh, Cakeland, which is more, more likely, and I hope Ryan from uh, Spikes listening to this, mm-hmm. is because I'm looking at getting a 20-gallon Spike brewing system with a double panel. panel. Ryan, I hope you're listening and hook me up here, buddy. Come on. Um, and if you want a <laughs> sponsor, no please do. <laughs> I have no shame. Um, <laughs> me either. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then from then I also have a dry hopper. Uh, uh, God, I've lo- so yeah. I mean, I started out with a, a carboy, a bucket, a, a plastic spoon that I broke on the first time using it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, <we'll> I cool. <laughs> <laughs> went into the grain, but oh, yeah, it's like oh, oh no, no. <laughs> oh no. So I went in there trying to dig it out, and I'm like, I learned the benefits of actually having. Uh, elbow high rubber gloves. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, buying grain in bulk is always is a honestly people say it costs too much to buy in bulk, right? Like in the long run, yeah, you are going to save yourself some money. I mean, you don't get into this hobby. Oh, I'm going to save myself money and making my own beer. You're not going to do that, but you will save money on your ingredients mm-hmm. if you buy them in bulk. Yes. So, I mean, if you're looking at, like, your base malts, like, be it uh, Marisotter, uh, Turo, uh, and Pilsner, those are, like, I call those the main three. Uh, if you buy those in bulk, you've easily reduced your your, grain, your cost in your grain belt by half. Yeah, completely. Um, and, you know, that's the equivalent of having, like, flour and sugar and vegetable oil on exactly. hand as a home brewer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's also good to to look into getting things when it comes down to cleaning, because 
um, a lot of people when they start uh, the cooling process, you start put you put you put your work chiller in, and you put, yeah. put the cold water through it. Well, the first like I'd say almost five minutes, that water is going to be blasting hot. Why waste it? Yeah. Pour it into pour it into a bucket, fill it up, and there's your five gallons of water that you can use once the actual kettle is drained out. Put it back in; it's already hot. Heat it back up to about I don't know about 100 degrees mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit, and put it in your PVW, and you and put a whirl if you have a whirlpool arm or if you don't mind stirring it, start mixing it around and. And I, I tell you, in about 30 minutes, your your kettle is going to be clean. Yes. I mean... So, I mean... I, I do the lazy soak method of I'll just, like, put it in there and, like, <laughs> put the PBW in and walk away, but, you know... I think everyone's done that, though. I mean, that's when you when you don't have time and, you, and you're like, I'm done, I'm tired, I don't want to be doing this anymore <laughs> for tonight, I'll worry about it in the morning. Yeah. You just drop it and go. Yeah, I mean, the way I clean my fermenters, honestly, is I will just put, fill them up with PBW the night before and just let them soak. And then when they're ready, I'll, like, put yeah. star sand in them. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've gotten a couple of Riptide pumps. Oh, nice. And, and uh, a couple of clean and place balls. Mm-hmm. So I'll just fill, fill them up with boiling hot water the best I can. Till maybe about halfway, hook the pumps up, make sure there's PBW in there, and uh, go from there. Nice. And just let them go for for about you know forty five minutes, then just drain it all out, slop some you know stars in in there, make sure all the valves are done, and then uh, I put the uh, the blanks over top of the the ports. Yeah. That way, they're they kept they're kept clean. Yeah. See, you are the first guest. I gotta say. When when you get into homebrewing, you get like the books. You get Papazian's book. You get uh, oh, Smith's yeah. book. The one thing they always tell you is the most important step is uh, cleaning and sanitizing. You were the first yeah. guest to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It is no it's, completely. It's that, that, I mean, the, the thing is, if you're not willing to actually clean shit, yeah, now is not the time. This is not the hobby for you. Oh lord, no. I mean, it's almost like any hobby. It's like I used to be a big marathon runner yeah. until you know old age got me. <laughs> um, and with that, it's like you you have to. Normally, do you have to warm up? You run, you stretch, and that's not it. You still got to clean yourself. So yeah, it's, think about it as like you're taking a shower. So you're gonna keep yourself all healthy and clean. So same thing for your gear. You're gonna keep yourself healthy and clean. If you don't. Well, you're gonna have nothing but a bunch of sour beer. Don't get me wrong; sour beer is good, but it's not won't n- n- won't necessarily be the kind of sour beer that say, you want. It, it won't be a good sour. Exactly, <laughs> it'll be an infected sour. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Being in the homebrew pub, and we have an ever-growing tap list, what beer are you going to add to the homebrew pub's tap list? Uh, so I'm going to add one of my favorites, and this is the one that is actually uh, done really well for me because I can never keep it on tap for myself because all my friends are constantly asking for it. It's I call it me the Schwartz be with you. So it's a German Schwartz beer. Mm. It's, it's one of my absolute favorites. Not only is it a nice dark German lager, but it's so it's well rounded. It's got a great mouthfeel. It's got that nice tan, leathery looking head on it, um, and it's got that nice kind of like profitee and a porter and a stout smell to it. And it's just it's fantastic, and it's like and one of the easiest things to make to be honest. Yeah. Well, so oh sorry, go ahead. I was gonna go say on. what what makes it so easy. Um, well, what makes it easy is, is that there really isn't a lot. I mean, 
it may look like a lot when it comes to for stuff, but the amounts are so minimal. Mm-hmm. Is what makes it easy. Because it's when you do it, you're looking at a beer that's roughly only maybe four to five percent. So you're not looking for a whole lot of sugar retention. Yeah, you're looking for something that when the when the yeast hits it, it eats it, but it'll usually be. It's a lager. It'll be ferment, especially this lager. You're looking at maybe two weeks and it's done. Yeah, which is unusual for a lager. A lager usually you're looking at at least a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I've turned this around. I, I've actually I've pressure fermented this once and it turned out okay. I mean, I pressure fermented it and it came out turned out within four days it was done. Nice. But when I did this, I. Um, I found the sweet spot to turn around within a reasonable amount of time is roughly in around uh, 53 degrees Fahrenheit, Mm. which seems to be the sweet spot for this beer. And you're only like total, what is it? The total grain bill, you're looking at what? Maybe close to 10 pounds of grain. That's it. So it's not a lot. And you're only maybe looking at maybe maximum of two ounces of hops. Wow. So it, it's not a lot at all. So for for the amount you're putting in and what you're getting out of it, it's it's well worth the time to actually go ahead and make it. Yeah. And so what kind of flavors do you get out of, out of this beer? So um, you get a nice kind of like roasty, almost coffee-esque chocolatey kind of taste to it but it is so light and so mild mm-hmm. it's almost like one of those beers you want to have a, have on a hot day <laughs> which is what i like yeah which is rare for uh, a dark beer <laughs> yeah no it's weird right yeah so i mean i find that this beer tends to lean towards um I'd say almost having it as like if you're having a charcuterie board or something else like that, mm. something light to go with it to complement it. It's actually really really good. And you're, you're listening to Hallertal Middle Fruit for uh, for hops, so they're a very light hop as it is anyway. And you're only looking at an alpha acid of three point seven five percent on the alpha acid, so it's not very bitter. It's more of an aromatic, mm. and it, it's so mild. You really don't even notice it because you taste more of things like maybe some of the roasted barley and maybe the American chocolate grain in there. And then you're also using things like some Munich and Pilsner malts. Yeah. So you're some fairly either high sugar or fairly neutral flavors. You may get a little bit of biscuit in there from from the Munich, but not a lot. Nice. And we'll be putting the recipe for this in the show notes so you guys can brew and drink along with us. So. Please reach out to us if you brew this and let us know what you think. Absolutely. And if you want, I'll give you the link and you can go on to my, uh, my recipe uh, website for, uh, uh, for, for me. It's on Brewer's Friend. And I can just drop the link and people can go to my profile and they can check out all the beers I make if they want. Oh, they can take what they want. That would be amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a, I got a wider range in there. Only ones that you won't be able to take are the ones that I'm still tinkering with because they're not public. And <laughs> the one being that maple bacon donut. Yeah, that's the bane of my existence right now. <laughs> I know, but be proud of that beer. I mean, come oh, yeah. on. <laughs> oh yeah, I am proud of that. One. Uh, as it is right now, I'm. Let's see. Uh, I'm. I'm looking at my uh, my production board right here. Yeah. And the one beer i haven't made this year and i'm kicking myself for it is my uh was it my chocolate espresso stem Ooh. so i'm kicking myself because that one's usually that one i i'm never able to keep that one on yeah. for myself never i got people coming with growlers and saying can you please <laughs> fill this I'm like, I only have five I only have five gallons. You're gonna wipe me out in like two minutes. <laughs> well that's like uh I've got one um I think it was talked about on the show before, it's called the Jelly Donut, which I put on it's a vanilla raspberry beer which I put on nitro. And all oh, my friends nice. come around and they're like, Can I take a growler of this to go? And I'm like, No, it's on nitro, buddy, that's like not gonna happen. So they it. just stay longer and like get through just my cake for me. Relax and have a drink. Yeah. Which is, you know, very lovely. That's why partly why I do this hobby. 
But exactly. That's that's why I do it too. I mean, I have friends that come by and they, hey, look, here's a hundred bucks. Make me a five gallons of beer. I'm yeah. Like, you're, first of all, you're paying me too much. <laughs> it, it's costing. It, it's that's too much. Uh, it doesn't cost me that much for the ingredients. Oh, but your time and your labor. I'm like, how about this? If you give that to me, I owe you ten gallons of beer, and I'll give you two different batches. And they're like, yeah, that, that's fine, but just we want beer. Like, <laughs> like in my head, I'm thinking, if you're that hot and horny for it, you go to the <laughs> get a liquor store. Go, go to the liquor store and get it, because you're gonna wait a while if I make it. Yeah. No, my my neighbors when we started hanging out with my neighbors, they love it because I'll just bring a keg round to like the garden parties in the summer, and it's like being back in college a little bit, except we're not mm-hmm. doing beer keg stands with it because it's just too tall and narrow. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I'm that... not saying I tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also I'd like to think that the this beer is a little higher quality than the beer you would do a keg stand with. So I want you to Absolutely. sip and enjoy the beer. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing people ask and they say well do, do you make anything that's close to things like Budweiser or Coors Light and things like like, like no but if you want that I can give you a glass of water yeah <laughs> and they're like what because I, I, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very careful at the moment go for it um, so I always say well and I'm not doing this to take a shot at American listeners. I'm just saying this because it's something that the crew from Money Python said at one point in time. I know the joke. Shows. And this, it's American beer is like making love in a canoe. And what do you mean? It's fucking close to water. <laughs> I might have offended some uh, Americans by telling that joke, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not going to offend me because I've had my fair share of bad American beer. But the culture is changing. Yes. Uh, I mean, at least for in my little homebrew world, uh, we aim to make beer that people not only do we enjoy, but we're willing to share with other people to enjoy. Yeah. And in the craft beer world or community that I work in, our goal is not to get ahead of the other craft brewers. Our goal is is to put the bigger companies out of business. Yeah. So we want to keep constantly producing quality beer, excuse me, and get people coming away from things like Coors Light or Labatt Blue, Molson Canadian, Budweiser, all that mainstream nas mm-hmm. to things like you get things like Fat Tire, uh, uh, Delirium, uh, a nine or sixty minute or ninety minute IPA. Uh, you want to get Bose Lug Tread, Steam Whistle. Things like that. Those are craft beers that have set the culture up for people to say, shit, there's beer out there that I can buy that has flavor. And you can t- you can tell the amount of talent it took to make it. Yeah. Not just a bunch of adjuncts and a couple bits of green and a couple of hops that just <laughs> kiss the water and away it went. Yeah. No, completely. And I mean, I think the the other great thing about, I mean, certainly in the homebrew world, I found um, like everyone is so willing to share everything. And Mm -hmm. I've been very fortunate that I've hooked up with some local breweries here who have either let me go and record with them or even better, let me go and brew with them. And like, oh, you want this recipe? Take the recipe. You want to come brew with us? Well, guess what? You're going to like get all the grain out of the, the mash tun because none of us want to do it that day. And you'll have mm-hmm. the best day of your life. Um, yep. But, you know, fortunately, and, you know, we can't ignore the ugly side of craft beer that's been reported on in over the past few months. Oh, no, you can't. No. Um, yeah. But I do think that there are a lot of very great people in in the craft beer world that you know I've been fortunate oh, yeah. to hang out with. I mean, I've been very fortunate too. I mean, I've, the guys I work with, they took a chance on a guy who they didn't know. Uh, just at, met them at a, a local craft show when they were just starting out mm-hmm. slinging beer to get people's interest, and say, "Hey, look, if you ever need someone to help you out, please let me know." I have a lot of time on my hand. I'm available anytime because I'm retired mm-hmm. and I'm there at a moment's notice. And that just led from one thing 
to another yeah. to now me being with the brewery since they opened. So I've been there going on five years now. That's amazing. Which has been fantastic for me because not only have I been there since the beginning, and I've, I've been inside all the bright tanks cleaning them. <laughs> Literally, I've been inside of them. Um, I, I've learned so much out of this world. And the people I've met have been fantastic. Um, but like you said, there's an ugly side to the craft beer world that um, I think still needs to be addressed yeah. and, and is being addressed. And personally, I don't have time for it. No. I don't have time for people who act like that. I don't have time for anyone who does who thinks people who in this community f who feel that, you know, there's someone lower than they are or does not deserve the same amount of treatment or, us, or whatever that they get. I don't have time for that. I believe everyone is equal. You're a person. I respect you. I respect your decisions. And if you're working with me, well, you work with me. We may not necessarily agree, but we're going to we're gonna have a good time working together. Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, I just want to sit down and have a pint with you. Or exactly. whatever your beverage of choice is. I do know where I work um, we have like a code of conduct for not only for the employees, mm -hmm. but we set out what our culture is kind of or what we expect our, the, the vibe for our place to be. And we're like, and we say, if you don't necessarily like the vibe or whatever else, then we, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming and buying our beer, but you don't have to stay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not that I don't want people to stay. It's just I just don't have time for stupid. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. So speaking of stupid, because I, I often find, I often find like the answer to the question that's part of the answer. What is the worst beer you've ever brewed that you would never go back to? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> oh, where do I start? Um, Let's see. The worst beer I've ever made, but I've ma but I've made it again and it worked. Oh, okay, uh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I made <laughs> I made a saws one hop. Okay. And I well, there's two beers. Saws one hop is one of them, and I totally misjudged how much water I needed. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fine. We're all good. We're all good. I'm like, oh, that's holy. That's a lot of, that's a lot of sediment. That's, 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 that's like almost half of the beer gone. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it, I'm like, okay, let's just take a sample out of it. So I, I, I took a sample out of it. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. nope. Gone down the drain. Um, <laughs> then I did one. I did a, a New England IPA mm -hmm. with like six different hops. Nice. And and uh, in the in the in the beginning it was going great. It was until I added in the oats into the into the green bed. Yeah, because it required like two pounds of oats. <laughs> then it just turned into concrete. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" Damn it. Yep. And then I'm like, "Okay," but I got it going. I got through the stuck sparge, and then once I got to the actual kettle, I'm like, "Frick, this is boiling really hard." It never clued into me to look at what the water level was again. <laughs> the water level. <laughs> and I'm just like, I looked at it, and I'm like, eh, "We'll go. We'll, we'll, let's just go with. It. We'll see what happens." Yeah. I mean, okay. The sediment was was minimal. Which is fine, but uh, it, the yeast was such a a beast because I used to use the Plato airlocks, the digital yep. airlocks, the Plato ones. Mm -hmm. It killed a Plato airlock. Oh wow! It couldn't keep up with the bubble count. <laughs> that's amazing. That's how hard this. That's how hard this yeast works. Yeah. And if everyone ever wants to try it, the yeast is called uh, Foggy London from Escarpment Laboratories here in in, uh, in Canada. I think you can actually get some of it in the States now. And 
it, it honestly, I say it's a beast of the East because it'll, it will, it's like SO4. It will rip through, uh, like a batch of beer in two days. Yeah. It is phenomenal. And I, I like, okay, this is great. It's all done fermenting. I looked at it. Why is it brown? <laughs> it's supposed to be straw color. Yeah. Okay. What's that smell? It got oxidized some way somehow. Oh, no. Down the drain. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so those are the two beers that I've, I've, I've done. I've failed. I've remade one. Other one, I've been too scared to try and do again. Fair enough. Yeah, New England IPA is like, yeah, the amount of hops you got in there, that oxidization is going to just destroy yeah. you. So. Yeah. yeah. So, so now I went and bought a dry hopper. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, so Brewers Hardware, if you're ever, if you're ever looking, because they're now a, a sponsor for the Brew Tubers. Yes. Uh, go look at getting one of their dry hoppers. They're, they are a sweet setup. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Brewers Hardware. Yes. Yes. Brewers <laughs> Hardware, you guys you guys killed it with this dry hopper. It works fantastic. Awesome. All right, so now i got to ask you, we're on this ethereal plane. And the homebrew uh-huh. pub will turn into whatever your ultimate drinking hole is, or would be ultimate so, drinking hole. So, what would be the name of your brew pub, and what would be the vibe? Ah, well, I would name it after my home brewery, Dog Hair Brewing. Nice. So the reason I call it Dog Hair is because no matter what you do, if you have dogs, you will know this. There's no escaping the dog hair. There's a it little bit of my dog in every bear. Exactly. So I have three dogs. And my biggest one, he's a 110-pound Husky Shepherd named Earl. Oh, wow. He's, he, he's the biggest goof and the biggest suck, and he follows me everywhere. So I would, I would want a bar where, or a pub where, kind of like what it's like in the UK. At least, I, at least it was when I was in Scotland. Um, you go to a pub, people bring their dogs. Mm-hmm. They kick back, relax. The dogs... They go around, they talk to everybody, and people know them all. Um, you can come in, sit down, have a glass of beer, you, and just to make it like, like a community um, kind of like come and hang out, watering hole. You don't necessarily need to come and have a beer. You can have a coffee, or you can come just chill out and talk to somebody. That's all I want. It's just an open, friendly environment nice. where you can come back, chill out, relax, not pretentious. Kind of that old world British pub vibe. Mm-hmm. So, and you've got to get. I have to find me a, a beer engine. Yes, I want a beer engine. <laughs> oh, I that do way too. I can hook it up to one. That way I can hook it up to one of those like five gallon casks I have, mm-hmm. and just pump the beer straight out of it. Nice. I find so I find that to my madness. Yeah, I mean, I find that's a very common wish of a lot of American homebrewers now is that we all want beer engines. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, five even five years ago, everyone would be like, "British beer is warm and flat." It's like you you don't know. Yeah, no, you don't know. I mean, people go, "Oh, you like British beer?" Yeah, it's some of the best beer out there. Yeah. Like, well, what else is? Well, there's German, which is great. Uh, Czech is really good. Oh, what about North American beer? North America is still catching up. Yes. Well, they're still, they're catching up in the traditional styles. Oh yes, for, I'll agree to that. For when it comes down to being experimental and pushing the envelope of the of these styles, we are so far ahead of the curve compared to the Europe. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of if you look at the Runheskable within Germany, the uh, the beer the, purity, the purity laws. laws. Yeah, they they that's still in effect. They do not deviate at all. Where you bring that same recipe over here to Canada or to or to the United States. So if you look at the Berliner Weiss, there they will make a Berliner and they're like, okay, what do you want it, green or red? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I want it blue because I want to put blueberries <laughs> in it. I want to put blackberries in it. I want to I want to I want to push the envelope and try something that no has never been done before. Yeah, and that's cool. But when it comes down to it. There's those times where you're like, I need to understand this beer more in its purest form before I fuck around with it. Yeah. Oh, completely. And sometimes when you get it in the purest form, you're like, I don't want to mess with this. This is this is this, this is this is 
perfect the way it is. Yeah. So that's why where things like the the Schwartz beer that I have, uh, as much as I'm like, yeah, let's try it. I'm like, no, don't. Yeah. Don't. Just leave it the way it is. It's perfect the way it is. I've got guys, oh, put it on Nitro. No, that nope. beer does not go on Nitro. Just strip out all the hop character. Exactly. Exactly. So they're like, oh, well, what about... I'm like, look, there's always certain beers that go on Nitro. Irish cream ales, stouts, and the odd porter. That's it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. They're like, well, what if I want to put a saison? Then you do it because you're not doing doing it with my system. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But... yeah, so I, I guess like yeah, the, the pub I would want just like I guess it would suit my personality. A little bit, of, a little bit of military memorabilia, a little of that old school British charm. Um, I know there's one pub down in uh, Montreal that I used to go to when I was going to university called Hurley's, where they brought all the tops and the bar complete over from Ireland. Oh wow! Yeah, so I kind of want that kind of vibe is what I would want. That just sounds amazing. So, yeah. I I invite everyone to like come down to Dog Hair Brewing, grab a pint of the sh- may the Schwarz be with you, which is a wonderful Melbourne Schwarz, yeah. Okay. And yeah. yeah, come and sit and hang out with us. It's just a good time all around. want to say a huge thank you to dan from my adventures in homebrewing if you haven't checked out that podcast do he gets some amazing guests on there uh, who are all just so knowledgeable and it's just a really fun listen and again i'm putting the recipe along with a link to his website in the show notes so you can brew and drink along with us And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social, at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers.